0: everybody, welcome to episode number 80 of the Between the Cracks podcast. I am your host, Bill, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Chris. Chris, episode number 80. Bud, <laughs> we are 20 <laughs> episodes shy of 100. How's that make you feel? It's amazing
1: that we've, we've come this far. We were just talking... The other day, not only are we surprised that we've come this far, but a lot of other people yes. who are very close to us actually <laughs> had no faith in us at all.
0: <laughs> that was revealed <laughs> to us uh, last night, I believe, Chris. We had a, a, quite a little gathering of uh, family and friends, and uh, people could not believe that <laughs> BTC was still rolling strong.
1: Perhaps I believe one of the, if, and I'm, I'm quoting this, of course, People still listen to this shit? (laughs) That
0: was fucking terrible. Yes, indeed, Chris. That was a truly unfortunate comment that was thrown our way. But, bud, what can I say? The proof is in the pudding. And you know what, bud? I just dug through this pudding with my little spoon, and I came up with a Patreon-requested episode. That's right, pal. Tonight's requested episode comes to us directly from none other than Mr. August Cruz, Chris. August has been with us since the beginning of the podcast.
1: And we do appreciate you, August, for listening to the show from since the beginning. There's probably very few of you out there. And, of course, we love to uh, honor our Patreons by doing cases that they have requested. So we're happy to do this one.
0: Now, Chris, with all that said... Why don't you say we hop right into it? Tonight, Chris, we are discussing the mysterious disappearance of Amy Lynn Bradley. Now, what makes this case all the more puzzling, Chris, is that Amy disappeared while on a cruise ship. I was actually going through some stats, and believe it or not, since the year 2000, and I I believe this is accurate, but, uh, you know, if it's not, what the hell can I tell you? Over 200 people have gone missing on cruise ships.
1: Look, you're on a cruise ship, people get drunk a lot, I'm sure. You're you're on the edge of a balcony nighttime. I'm sure there's been plenty of people that have just fallen over, maybe even jumped over, but that's kind of what makes this case a little interesting because it doesn't appear that was the case here.
0: No, not at all, because Amy was a young 23-year-old recent college graduate who was on the cusp of all these great things in life. She seemed to be a very well-adjusted and happy young lady. And now the interesting thing here is that from everything that I've read, she absolutely hated (laughs) the water or going out on the water. Much like myself, though, I I do like a cruise. I do not feel comfortable at all being out on uh, any kind of smaller vessel than that, but From everything I've read, they said that Amy kind of felt the same way, but her parents kind of wanted to put this trip together as this kind of celebratory event to um, congratulate her on graduating college. And, you know, also their kids were getting a little bit older and they wanted to do at least one last family trip together. Chris, before we get into the unfortunate events that took place, why don't you give us a little background on Amy?
1: Amy Lynn Bradley was born on May 12th, 1974 in Petersburg, Virginia, attending school locally uh, at Longwood University, and she graduated with a degree in physical education. She actually attended with a scholarship in basketball, so she was an athlete, and known for her strong swimming abilities, so she also worked as a lifeguard. She basically planned on starting a new job at a computer consulting firm uh, once she had graduated.
0: So yeah, Chris, as you can see, Amy was the whole package, man. She had everything going for her. That's exactly what her parents wanted to celebrate, you know? And that's exactly what they did. So they booked a cruise to go to Curacao. And they took this trip via Royal Caribbean and the Rhapsody of the Seas. And on March 21st of 1998, Amy and her family boarded the cruise headed towards Curacao. And from all accounts, the first couple nights on the cruise were uneventful. Family seem to be having a great time. And there is just so much to do, you know, whether you're into plays or just hanging out at bars, dance clubs, whatever the hell you got there. There's literally something for everyone, especially Amy having her brother with her, her brother Brad. You know, you you immediately have a partner that you can run around the ship with and go exploring with. And that's exactly what her and her brother did. They were having a great time as a family. There was nothing out of the ordinary. But unfortunately, on the evening of March 23rd, that is when this trip takes a dark turn. Because from all the evidence that we've looked at, Chris, it seems that Amy and her brother were hanging out at a nightclub called Mardi Gras on the Rhapsody of the Seas. And there they were drinking it up, having a great time, and they were listening to a band, a band by the name of Blue Orchid. It's noted that Amy and Brad were hanging out with members of Blue Orchid. And to further prove that point, Chris, there's actually a picture of Amy dancing with one of the members of uh, the band. And, you know, they seem to be having fun and having a good time. Nothing seems to be out of the ordinary, from what I can gather, looking at this picture.
1: Especially people this age. I mean, this is really the highlight of these trips is the the clubs and the partying, you know, when you're 23 years old. So one o'clock, they call it a night. They both go back to their family's cabin, both together. So Brad sees his sister come back with him and go into the cabin. They both go to sleep. And we know for a fact that Amy was still in the room between 5.15, 5.30-ish because the father, Ron, actually woke up because he wanted to see where his children were, make sure they were back. And he sees Amy. This is a quote from him. I could see Amy's legs from her hips down. And I dozed off back to sleep.
0: And she was out on the balcony, right?
1: Right. She was on the lounge chair of the the balcony that was in their cabin. He says the balcony door was closed because if it hadn't been closed, I would have gotten up and closed it.
0: And that seems to be about right, Chris, because I'm thinking roughly 530, you know, or a little earlier in the morning is when you're going to start to uh, be able to watch the sunrise and whatnot. Just in general, people love to have a balcony in their room on these cruise ships and, you know, if you're not out walking around a cruise ship, that's generally where you are. And, you know, if she came back from partying and hanging out, she might have just wanted to hang out on that balcony for a little bit of time before going to bed. And maybe she dozed off a little bit. Who knows?
1: Right. And the crazy thing is, though, is that he sees her up until around like 530 ish. But when he actually gets up at six, she's gone. And so are her cigarettes and lighter. You're thinking, obviously, it would be that she went out to smoke a cigarette. Except she's nowhere to be found because now Ron is just curious where her, you know, where his daughter is. So he starts looking for her. And then when he can't find her anywhere, that's when he wakes up the rest of his family and says Amy's missing.
0: What's interesting from a couple of the articles I looked into, people think that the father's reaction was kind of odd that he panicked so quickly and went looking around and notified the rest of the family. But I don't think there's anything bizarre about that because you got to remember Amy was only 23 years old. And you know you have these parental instincts. Whether people want to admit it or not, you you can kind of get the sense as a parent as to when something might be wrong. And I'm just thinking that's exactly what the dad must have felt.
1: He actually notes too that that she would never go anywhere without telling them first. This could be a different situation too. You know, it's early in the morning. She may not have wanted to wake anybody up. But he feels strongly enough that she would have done this that he begins to panic and. And it's only at 6.30 a.m. is when he considers her to be missing. So they're in Curacao now. So the the ship's going to disembark on Curacao. And the announcement is supposed to come around 7.50 in the morning. But the family was pleading with the staff to please not disembark until they find her daughter. If something were to happen to her on the ship, like let's just say someone took her back to her room or something... If everyone disembarks, now you're talking about the possibility of her being taken off the ship and then it being even harder to find her.
0: Oh, absolutely. But these cruise ships do not like to do that, Chris, because that wreaks havoc on their bottom line. You know, if you think that there's a missing person or some kind of foul play involved, you know, the other guests on the cruise ship may start to worry. And we know that these big companies do not like to lose money. Am I right Thunderboy. Thunderboy.
1: Right, be, and so the situation here is what the crew basically says that it is too early to make a shipwide announcement. the The concern here, obviously, uh, is they don't want the, the passengers coming off. So what the ship actually ends up saying that they'll do is they basically say. Right now, it's too early to make a ship-wide announcement, but we'll agree to issue one at 7.50 once a majority of the passengers have left the ship because they don't probably, like you said, they don't want to make things a little weird or or cause any type of panic. You could also perceive that as being suspicious as well, though. Why wait till everyone's off the ship? Between 12.15 and 1.00 p.m., the cruise staff start searching through the ship, but they cannot find her. Here's the other interesting point now, because we're thinking about maybe she was on the balcony with a cigarette and she fell off, or she jumped in the water. The ship is docked right near land on Curacao. She's a very strong swimmer. She was a lifeguard. So they're kind of dismissing that as, as a possibility, only because if she did fall into the water, perhaps she would have been easily able to swim to
0: shore. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense, especially when you factor in her background as a swimmer. And, you know, oddly enough, I was on a cruise. It had to be 2012. I went on um, one of those Disney cruises we took the kids on, and I remember we were docked somewhere down in uh, the Bahamas or some shit. We were docked, and there were some other cruise ships docked along the pier there also, and all the alarms were going off Some fucking guy <laughs> fell off the side of the boat you know probably drunk or whatever but uh luckily enough they were able to come and uh and and rescue him i just remember the alarms and everything going off and it was quite a, a spectacle chris but we can't rule out anything because yes yeah, yeah, she was close to uh land but probably still a couple hundred yards out if you're thinking about having to swim and maybe she was intoxicated you know you're Equilibrium's thrown off. You just dumped four stories <laughs> into a body of water, not knowing where the hell you are. But uh, right now it doesn't make sense because I, I'm in agreement here that if she did fall off there, someone would definitely have noticed her. And I think she would definitely be, have been able to make it to sure at that point.
1: I agree. You can't rule out any possibility here. Her family, at least at this point are sure that she hasn't fallen over. They, they think she's somewhere around.
0: If Amy was being held captive or something terrible happened to her, you know, and somebody was trying to hide her body, having the ability to get off of that ship ASAP makes all the difference in the world.
1: Here we go. Now there is a search being conducted by the Netherlands Antilles Coast Guard, and they do a, a, this four-day search. Uh, even the Royal Caribbean Cruise Lines actually chartered a boat to continue looking for her. The Netherlands Antilles used three helicopters and a radar plane also to assist in the search. And they come up empty on all this. You would think if she fell in the water drowned or something like that, that her body would have been discovered at the very least.
0: If her body was in the water within that half hour to hour that the dad noticed that she was missing, she definitely would have been spotted by someone. There's no way... Her body would not have been found at that point.
1: Here's what I think is really the the most realistic situation here. Because they they were not able to find her body in the water, is that perhaps she was kidnapped and drugged, taken into someone's room. And then when the ship disembarks, she's too woozy to really do anything. And and someone gets her off the ship. And the interesting note, too, is that while her cigarettes and the lighter were missing, her sandals were still there too. So like wherever she was going, she wasn't planning on going far barefoot. So that would point towards me thinking that perhaps she fell off the balcony, but it just not being able to find a body to me seems just weird. Unless this is a stretch. If she were to fall off the balcony and let's just say she struck something or someone found her dead in the water and then they tried covering it up so that like you said, they didn't want to freak everybody out on the ship or something.
0: But, you know, that comes at a price because they don't want anybody to panic. They don't want anybody, you know, to think that anything's wrong. It's it's just this fake reality where everything's perfect. And they went so far, Chris, as to, and I know you know from probably being on cruises, that there's always like a photographer going around wanting to take pictures wow. of you and those bullshit, like, you know, whether you're going out to dinner, they'll have a uh, like a little booth set up so you can take pictures. So what happens oftentimes on these cruise ships is that they'll have like a designated area for the gallery where they're hanging up pictures. You know, I don't know if they do it by your name or room number or whatnot, but everybody has these goddamn pictures hanging around. It's a fleece job by the cruise ships to well, make a few more bucks. You know, if you see a picture that you like of yourself, you can buy it from them, whatnot. But the crazy thing here is, Chris, there were no... Pictures of Amy anywhere. All the pictures of her that were taken were seemingly taken down. Now, we gotta ask ourselves, is that the cruise ship just taking her pictures down? So nobody is cognizant of the fact that someone might be missing? Or does the cruise ship know a little bit more than they're letting on and uh are trying to potentially hide some evidence? Because remember, Chris, if you'll recall in the beginning of the episode. I talked about Amy and Brad hanging out with a few members of that band, Blue Orchid. And there were, as I stated, pictures of Amy dancing with a member
1: of Blue Orchid. Let's get, let's get into what the authorities start saying, basically. So upon doing their investigation with their initial thought of her potentially falling over or committing suicide. Now I'd say off the bat, committing suicide would not be a thing at all. This, this, this girl's just starting her life, like you said, and, and the parents do not have any feeling at all that, that she would have done something like this. So they actually throw out the idea of her even falling overboard or committing suicide A, because of her ability to swim, and B, because nobody was found, like we mentioned. The morning of her disappearance, two passengers apparently tell the father that they saw a woman that looked like Amy taking an elevator to the ship's deck with cigarettes and a lighter. Now that's interesting because that's exactly what we know she had in her person. However, this did not lead to any findings at all. So, I mean, as the family, now you've got to be so overcome with emotions right now. I mean, like your daughter has been seen, you know, she's, she's right here. She's got to be somewhere right, right here, right, right, right near you, but you can't find her. So it, obviously that's, that's a devastating feeling.
0: And not only devastating, imagine the frustration level, because as you're saying, Amy, whether alive or dead at this point, is within this vicinity. And the fact that they opened up this cruise line for everyone to come and go as they please at that point, that throws off the entire investigation.
1: Right. No, absolutely. And uh, there's yet again another witness that apparently he was a cab driver. And he says that this woman that looked like Amy came up to him and, and said that she urgently needed a phone. But this, again, came up empty when they looked into it.
0: But, you know, unfortunately, with eyewitness accounts, they're not always accurate, you know, and that's been proven quite a few times, but we just don't know. But i uh, got a couple of interesting quotes here from uh, Iva Bradley, Amy's mom, and uh, she said to, uh, oh, your twin, Dr. Phil, she said, uh, We noticed immediately that there was a tremendous amount of attention towards Amy from the crew members. But she goes on to say that uh, my gut feeling to this day was somebody saw her, somebody wanted her, and somebody took her. I mean, that is chilling.
1: This is a very real thing that happens a lot all over the world. They scope out certain women. Once they get flagged, that's it. I mean, these people are professionals.
0: And that's the thing, dude. Like, once you're gone, you're gone, pretty much. I mean, if you don't have a tracking device on you or anyway you know you get stolen or kidnapped you move from one location to the next and then you can potentially be on the other side of the world within half a day
1: you have a minimum amount of time to find the person before they're gone for good unfortunately
0: and and that's the thing too because you know even if you have an escape route or you you make your way into uh, an area where you could potentially get help some of these Victims are so terrified of their captors that they refuse to even do that just out of fear of losing their life. So let's dig a little deeper into this, Chris, and let's start off with what we actually know. And uh, I only say that we know this because there is a picture, and this is a picture of one of the prominent names that came in uh, to play when discussing uh, Amy's disappearance here, and that was the bass player for the band Blue Orchid. That was a gentleman by the name of Alistair Douglas, And he was also known by his nickname, Yellow. He is the person pictured dancing with Amy in the last known photograph of her. So right away, I mean, they have to look into him.
1: Yeah, I would would imagine so. That's one of the last people she was interacting with before she went missing.
0: Uh, We come to find out that Yellow wasn't the only member of the cruise ship employees that uh, the family had their eye on.
1: You're right, and not only the family, but there was other people that that suspected that perhaps there was this waiter that was involved with her disappearance, too. Amy's family, throughout the night, remembers this waiter that approached them asking to pass a note to Amy for him involving an invitation for her to go drinking with him once they reached shore. They think that there are perhaps maybe even other people involved. In addition, they say the professional photographer printed out all the photos taken throughout the crows to sell at a stall... But the family could not find any of her photos.
0: Yeah, that's what I mentioned before. You know, but there's speculation that either the cruise ship took the pictures down or, you know, if you look into a little deeper, maybe the photographer was part of this whole thing, too. We don't know. Nobody knows anything, Chris, because this case is still unsolved to this day. So all we have is speculation and uh, some clues here and there, but nothing is really coming together. So... Yeah, we have a couple things that look suspicious, but do they look suspicious just due to the fact that we know what happened here? Maybe these guys were, you know, just having fun and being flirtatious and they had nothing to do with it. But because these events took place just prior to her disappearance, it all seemed suspect.
1: Like we said, very frustrating situation here. You just saw her. How could she just disappear like that?
0: That's what makes this so incredibly crazy because it's not just as if somebody had fallen off the cruise liner in the middle of the ocean while it's moving and, you know, nobody noticed until the following day. And by that point, you're gone, you know? Shark attacks, whatever the hell else you got, drowning. But no, this is right there at port. As we said, you know, if she fell into that body of water there, somebody would have noticed, you would think, because it was 5.30 in the morning and the sun had to be coming up.
1: I can't believe that she fell in the water. But the crazy thing is, apparently the theory that they end up coming with in the end is that that she committed suicide. That's the theory from the authorities anyway.
0: You know, unfortunately for the Bradley family, things go from bad to worse. You can just imagine the desperation in the parents trying to find their daughter and looking down any avenue they can to find her and to get help. Amy's family went so far as to write their local congressman, foreign officials. They even wrote the White House. Unfortunately, they didn't get what they deemed to be a helpful response. They even hired detectives, had their own website, and a 24-hour hotline. But these all led to dead ends. But all hope was not lost, though, Chris, because we come to find out that there were some very odd sightings of Amy. We do not know if there was any credibility to any of the claims that we are about to talk about. Chris, what can you tell us about these sightings?
1: So outside of the ones that I had mentioned earlier about her potential sightings on the day of her missing, this was months later. So the first one in August of 1998, a Canadian computer engineer claims that he saw Amy walking with two men on a beach in Curacao. He noticed that this woman was constantly trying to get his attention and then he ended up losing sight of her uh, in a nearby cafe. But he does say that the woman's tattoos were identical to Amy Bradley's uh, because he said he was only about two feet away from her when he, when he saw the tattoos. Is this just a case of somebody thinking they saw her or... We don't know because they, it, it ends up coming up empty. But then just five months after that, in 1999 an actual navy petty officer claims that he saw her at a brothel in curacao and here's the frustrating part about that he says that she claimed to be amy bradley and was begging him for help explaining that she was held against her will and not allowed to leave but due to the fact that this navy petty officer was still technically serving he was afraid to say anything because he thought he would get in trouble for being in a brothel. So this information doesn't come out until obviously too late, if this was indeed a a possible sighting.
0: Who knows if this naval officer's account is accurate. I would believe that he would have no reason to lie. And he's being truthful and honest as to the reason why he didn't want to say anything. So unfortunately, Chris, things take an even crazier turn in this case. And what we're about to get into now is truly one of the most despicable things I've ever heard being done to parents that are in distress of uh, having a missing child. And that happened in the fall of 1999. That is when Amy's parents received an email from a self-proclaimed Navy SEAL soldier by the name of Frank Jones. And apparently this guy played himself off also as a former US Army Special Officer with a team of experienced soldiers who might be able to rescue Amy. This obviously gets the Bradleys' attention because they're desperate to get any information that they can on their daughter. With this glimmer of hope on the horizon, the Bradleys decide to respond to Frank Jones. And he basically goes on to tell him that they spotted Amy, they have eyes on her, but unfortunately she is surrounded and held captive by heavily armed Colombian men. And get this, Chris, that she is being housed in a complex that is barricaded by barbed wire. They're making it known that she is basically being held as a prisoner. So the Bradleys, even though they're desperate for help to find their daughter, they're initially cautious when dealing with uh, this Jones character. But to ease those worries, Jones starts to offer them a little bit of uh, proof of life, basically describing the tattoo that Amy had. And he went on to provide other information that apparently only the Bradleys would know. Jones decided to continually share information with the parents, basically giving them daily or weekly updates as far as what is going on with Amy. So Jones comes up with a plan to rescue Amy, and he shares this with her parents. And you can imagine that the parents are thrilled. But, Chris, everything isn't as it seems. Right?
1: Well, for starters, he shares this rescue plan, I guess, this attempt to get Amy. But with that, there's money involved of course he even says to them that he needs funds in order for this rescue to take place now i i would think this is where a little bit of a red flag comes up but whatever jones says to them i guess puts their mind at ease in in terms of it being a trustworthy person because a total of two hundred and ten thousand dollars are gathered to fund this search and rescue Once the money is sent to Jones, the family is waiting to hear how the mission went. Well, after that money was sent, no calls, nothing from Frank Jones with any updates. They just never came. So Jones made up this entire story and scams the Bradleys for the sum of $210,000. I mean, there's a special place in hell, but this is like below that. I can't even tell you what I would do to this person. There would be no jail time. Let's just put it that way.
0: Just imagine the desperation on the part of the Bradleys. And then you, you get this small little glimmer of hope. And then that hope starts to build as you're talking to this guy who seems to have located your daughter and is talking about this rescue mission that he's going to carry out. He's well trained and all this. And, and you're getting your hopes up so much so that they actually flew to Miami to have a jet ready to pick Amy up and get her back to Virginia just to all be a lie what a piece of shit
1: and that's what these people do they prey on people that are desperate and will do anything in this situation but not only giving a false sense of hope to this family that that she was still alive and was spotted and found but then to go ahead and take their money I mean granted Approximately $25,000 of that two hundred and ten was the Bradleys. And then the rest was from the National Missing Children's Organization. But it doesn't matter how much it is, regardless. But federal prosecutors do find him. They charge him with defrauding them. You know, he's found guilty of malfraud and sentenced to five years in prison. That's not even close to enough. It's just another devastating day for the Bradleys.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just absolutely terrible. I mean, my God, you really couldn't wish that upon anybody. But unfortunately, Chris, the, you know, this is the nature of some of the people that are out there, just basically human beings walking around without a soul. And unfortunately, the Bradleys found themselves intertwined with this uh, Frank Jones character, and it just led to uh, more heartache for them. But Chris, even after this Frank Jones debacle, the Bradleys were still receiving info as far as potential sightings. None which ever amounted to much But there was one bizarre one that came through to them in 2005. In January 2005, the Bradleys actually receive an email from a member of an organization that tries to assist in locating sex trafficking victims. And that's what we have here in this picture. He sends them this picture who he believes might be Amy. There's the famous side-by-side of Amy prior to going on a cruise ship and this Picture of the woman that is on the adult website. Now, the woman in the picture was identified as Jazz, J A S, I guess that's how you would say it. And believe it or not, Chris, she was a sex worker in the Caribbean. The long or the short of it is that they received this picture and the lead eventually goes nowhere, dries up. But I'm going to post a side by side of Amy and the picture of the woman that came from this website. Now, Chris, you have that picture in front of you. Do you think that the woman in that picture is Amy Bradley?
1: I got to be honest with you, it could go either way. To me, there's nothing about the picture that's certainly identifiable to Amy. Could it be? I could kind of see it.
0: Yeah, I mean, you got to keep in mind, too, that age progression and whatnot the makeup that she's wearing, a different hairstyle. I'm looking at it, you know, the nose, cheekbones, eyes. I mean, there yeah. definitely are some similarities.
1: The cheekbones, I'm starting to see a little bit, but it's too difficult to tell. But it's definitely know, not something I would consider as being like hard evidence.
0: Yeah, not at all. But it, it definitely was a, a very interesting lead uh, one way or another. But unfortunately, Chris, that's where this case stands today. Because as of right now, the body of Amy Bradley has never been found. And unfortunately, Chris, we come to find out that Amy Lynn Bradley was declared legally dead on March 24th of 2010, 12 years after her disappearance. But, you know, like we said, bud, there were no witnesses and no body was ever found. So, with all that we've talked about tonight and all the evidence that we dove into, Chris, what says you? What do you think happened to Amy?
1: I'm very suspicious of the crew on the ship. Some of the people that she interacted with, the pictures not being shown, like you mentioned, that they were removed. And the, the, some of the sightings, maybe even, you know, obviously not in a situation like Frank Jones, but there were other people that recalled seeing the tattoos. It's just, uh, I think she was, I think she was taken.
0: Yeah, Chris, I uh, agree with you. Something here just does not add up. The fact that the body was never found, especially if they're trying to claim that it was either a suicide or she fell off the the boat accidentally, doesn't add up. So I think that her body, whether alive or dead at the time, was taken off that cruise ship, brought onto the island, and from there was put into the sex trade industry. And, you know, whether these pictures that have come to light are Amy or not, in the world of the sex trade industry, these victims are just Whist all around the world so say they have a need for a different girl or a guy in a certain area of the world they'll ship them off to there or if somebody wants to pay for this person or that person to go here or there it's going to happen and you know looking at that picture like you said it could go either way but it very well could be Amy and I don't know man I just get the feeling that she might still be out there and unfortunately nobody's ever paid the price for what happened to Amy or the Bradley family for that matter but that's it Chris that was the case of Amy Bradley and all we can do is hope that the Bradleys will finally get answers to all the questions that they have one day it's the best we can hope for at this point so uh next week Chris we've got to come back with something a little bit more lighthearted, right we can't keep going down this path once in a while we'll do a serious one and then uh we'll see what else we can come up with for next week to uh lighten the mood around here a little bit agreed so with all that said Chris let me get the rundown and we can get the hell out of here You want to get in touch with us, you can reach us at btcpod2020 at gmail.com, or you can get in touch with us on Instagram at the Between the Cracks Podcast, or on Facebook at the Between the Cracks Podcast, write us anywhere you want, and we will get back to you ASAP. If you would like to become one of our lovely Patreons, feel free to click on the link in the show notes. So with all that said, Chris, what do you say we wish the fine, fine people out in podcast land the fondest, oh, a farewell. (laughs) <laughs> this episode might never come out Good fucking Yeah, one. this might not come out for a while Fuck this piece <laughs> of shit Alright bro, thanks man <laughs>